Open it up to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. And when you find that, would you stand with me as we read the word of God, Ephesians chapter number 5. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint's. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here in this place tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can build our lives on it. We can stand on it. We can trust it. And Lord, tonight, as we look into it, I pray that we would apply it to our lives. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I am glad that you're here on Wednesday night. I, I trust you'll be back on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and we will have a wonderful time in the Word of God. Because the things that we're going to look at over the next several days are things that I promise, I absolutely promise and guarantee they will help you in your walk with God. They really will. Uh, it'll be things that will, quite honestly, answer every question that you have about your Christian life. And I mean that. Every possible question you could have, we will answer in the next several days. A lot of folks today have a lot of questions. They want to know why do we do this and why don't we do that? And is this wrong or that wrong? And why do some Christians believe this and other Christians believe that? And some say it's okay to do this and others say it's not okay to do that. How do you even know the answers? You'll have the answers by the time we're done. You will have the answers, I promise you. So if you don't get your answer tonight, then come back tomorrow. And if you don't get it tomorrow, come back the next night because it's going to be there sooner or later. It will be there. You just mark it down. Now here in Ephesians chapter five, I didn't warn you that we were going to read 17 verses because I was afraid that would scare you. 
That's Bible overload for some folks, 17 whole verses in a row. And <laughs> I didn't want didn't to scare you away, but this is early in the year. This is still March. So if you were behind on your Bible reading, we just caught you up just a little bit, okay? In Ephesians chapter number 5, uh, the very first verse, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Brother Brown, I've become more convinced in the last couple of years than ever before of the importance of, of context and staying within the context of a passage in the Word of God. You see, sometimes, and I've heard great sermons that I've yet to find a context for. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, powerful sermons that just, boy, if you could just find some Bible, it'd really work good, but just not there. Uh, you know, God, God gave us his word in long form. He did. Your Bible is not just a collection of little sayings and little blips. I like to put it this way. God doesn't tweet <laughs> and neither do people with a life. But God doesn't tweet. <clears throat> Instead, unless you do, and I, of course you use it for the kingdom of God, I'm sure. Uh, there's, God gave us his word in long, really long form. I mean really long. And he did that because everything that he said has a context. And it all fits together. It really does. Everything in your Bible fits together. Now, there may be some things you don't understand and some things that you have trouble fitting in, but that's not the Bible's problem. That's our frail human mind and its problem. It all fits together. And so it behooves us to look at it as more than just a few words here and a phrase there and an idea over here. And so I wanted to read all those verses, and there are more that we could, but for the sake of time, we won't tonight. I want you to know, especially those first 17 verses that we just read, the main idea of all of that is stated in verse number one. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. So here's the Apostle Paul, the human author, writing uh, to the church at Ephesus, and God is using him to say these words, and he says, I want you to be followers of God. Now, these are not lost people who need to be saved. So when he says be followers of God, he's not saying you need to get saved. They're already saved. They're, they know the Lord, but I think you would attest to the fact that just because somebody's saved doesn't necessarily mean they're following God. Would you agree with that? You can be saved, and, and you probably know folks who can give a, a good, clear testimony of salvation, and yet their life will attest to anything but following God. And so, here's God, through the Apostle Paul, saying to these saved people in this church, I want you to be followers of God. That ought to be your mindset. That ought to be your goal. That ought to be what you strive for. By the way, this is, this is your spring revival. You know, you know what that really comes down to? God's people deciding they're ready to follow him. That's what revival is. 
when God's people decide they want to follow him and they want to be in line with him and they want to be in fellowship with him the way that they once were. They want to be revived. And that's why we're here this week. And so that all starts with that first verse. Be therefore followers of God. And then notice he says, as dear children. Now that implies a trust and an innocence in the following. God wants us to just trust him and follow him, even if we don't know where it is he's leading. Even if we don't understand what the next step or the final destination may be, he wants us to trust him and follow him. All of you who are parents and grandparents have done that with your children. You've said to them, follow me. We're going into the store. And, you know, if you have more than two of them, you, you're outnumbered. And so they have to stay in line, right? And so you'll see a parent and, and two or three little people behind them following them because you know that if they'll just follow you and stay close, you may even have them hang on to your clothes and hang on to each other so that they all stay in line because if they stay in line, everything will be all right. You'll run interference. You'll make sure nothing bad is going to happen. We were in Vallejo, California last year, and we had stopped at this outlet mall uh, to, to do something spiritual, I'm sure. And, and, and David and I had gone one direction and Liz and Hope had gone the other direction and, and then we were going to meet back up on the corner and we were going to go get some food. And so David and I were walking this way and Hope and Liz were walking up the sidewalk this way and we both saw something from different angles that we thought was going to be a horrible tragedy. There was a family that came out and they were loading everything in the trunk of the car and there was a little person, probably three, three, maybe four years old, one of their little children and they're loading everything in the car and all of a sudden the little guy made a break for it and he goes running across the parking lot. This is a busy parking lot and what he can't see is the car that's driving up down what really is a street, but it's part of the parking lot. And he's coming up the street, and this little boy is running from between the cars, and the, the car is going up the road, and you could tell by watching, they're going to hit the corner at the same time. And something awful is about to happen. And the parents are screaming at the child, and the child is just running. And the guy in the car has no idea. He can't see anything. He's just driving next to a line of cars. He doesn't expect somebody to come running out in front of him, but that's what's about to happen. And as he got up there, that little boy got to his car and fell on the ground. I mean, right beside this car that's zipping past, the little guy fell on the ground, and the parents ran up and got him, and he was fine. And the man who was driving never saw any of it. He had no idea what had just almost happened. Can you imagine? You, you say to your child, follow me and stay by me because you know that if they don't, there's tragedy around every corner. There is potential disaster around every corner if they don't just stay with you and follow you. And that's what God says to us. I want you to be followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us 
and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And then in verses 3 and 4 and 5 and down through verse number 6, he goes down a whole list of awful stuff. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, jesting, uh, whoremongers, uncleanness, covetous men, idolaters. Goes down through all of that and says in verse 7, Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for, in verse 8, ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. He says, now, he, here's all this awful stuff out there in the world, all these horrible things. He said, now, don't get involved in all of that. For ye were sometimes darkness. Now, that's not the way we would have said that. We wouldn't have said it that way. We would have said, for ye were sometimes in the darkness, but now you're in the light. But God chose not to say it that way. Instead, he said, for ye were darkness. You see, before you got saved, you weren't just somebody who happened to get in the darkness. You were the darkness. It wasn't just a matter of you did a few wrong things. No, you were the darkness. And then when you heard the gospel and you trusted Christ, you went from being the darkness to being the light. That, that adds a little, a little illumination to 2 uh, Thessalonians, doesn't it? 2 uh, Corinthians, excuse me. Uh, when the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, the moment you got saved, an amazing transaction occurred. You didn't just take on a new direction. You didn't just add some new stuff to your life. You became a completely different creature. You were, <coughs> you weren't just somebody in the darkness. You were darkness. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, you became light in the Lord. You became an entirely different being. And notice what he says at the end of verse 8. Because of that, let me paraphrase. Act like it. Amen? That's what he says. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Said This stuff in verses 3, 4, 5, this is what the world does. This is what lost people do. This is what the darkness is all about. And that's what you were, but now you're light in the Lord. So walk accordingly. You ought not be like you were. You ought not do what you did. You ought not try to be like you were. You shouldn't try to, try to imitate what you were and call it Christian. Oh, I just added that part. That's a freebie. Amen. He said, you were darkness. Now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now look, if you would, at verse number 10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. You ought to underline or highlight or do something with that verse. Because that verse right there tells you 
that you can prove what is acceptable to the Lord. And if there are things, think with me now, if there are things that are acceptable to the Lord, does that not then mean that there are things that are unacceptable to the Lord? Certainly it does. In our modern day Christianity, we've somehow come to the conclusion that anything that I, anything that I offer to God is okay and acceptable and good. Uh, that's not supported in the Bible. You see, we can, we can go to plenty of places tonight that tell us that there are things that God simply rejects and he doesn't want. And yet we have the mindset that as long as I say I'm doing this for Jesus, that God is just thrilled to death that I looked his way and, and threw him a bone and, and all is well. But that's not who our God is. There are things that are acceptable to God and there are things that are unacceptable to God. And this verse tells us that we can prove which is which. Now that's a revolutionary concept, isn't it? That we could prove and we could know. That's what so many of the questions are about today. How do I know if this thing is acceptable to God or if it's not? And one preacher says that's not acceptable to God. And the next one says that is acceptable to God. And, and back and forth. How do I know? Well, the Bible says I can prove it. So there must be a way. There must be a way. Look, if you would, at verse number 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Isn't that interesting? You can prove what is acceptable to God and that which makes manifest is light. And he says that light comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... You want to go back to verse 10 where it says proving what is acceptable uh, unto the Lord. I think we can safely assume that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to give us the light that we need to determine what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. Are you with me so far? Okay, look down just a little bit further. Verse number 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, verse 10 said we could prove what is acceptable to the Lord. And then it told us that the light we need for that will come from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 17, it says that we can understand what the will of the Lord is. As a matter of fact, not only can we understand what the will of the Lord is, he says if we don't understand what the will of the Lord is, we're not wise. So the, the implication there is that it's something that we simply should understand. We don't want to be unwise. We want to be wise, and the only way to do that is to understand what the will of the Lord is. Is. Now, when it talks about the will of the Lord here in verse 17, uh, it's not talking about what most often we talk about when we, when we say to somebody, especially a young person, you need to decide what the will of God is for your life and what is the will of God. And, and usually we're talking about big life things. 
We're talking about what is, what is my vocation? If, if I'm going into ministry, what kind of ministry is it? <clears throat> Who do I marry? Where do I live? What do I do? We're talking about those huge life-altering decisions. That's not really what verse 17 is talking about. Now, they're included in this, but what verse 17 is really talking about is the everyday decisions, just simple things, determining on a day-to-day basis, is this the will of the Lord or is it not the will of the Lord? Is this acceptable to God or is it not acceptable to God? And that's where we run into trouble. That's where we hit a brick wall because everybody has a different idea of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And so what we have to do is decide what the basis will be for those decisions. Now, the easiest way is when there's a verse in the Bible that gives us the answer. That's the easiest way. I love those things, amen? Now, what's really sad is some people even have trouble with those. Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. And, And you'd think somehow that was, you know, up for debate. Anything that's in black and white, That's not up for debate. You just have to come to the realization that whatever God said is right. And if you disagree with it, that makes you wrong. So you need to change. So you agree with God. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty basic stuff right there. Anything that has a verse, then it's just, it's not really a matter of figuring out what God wants. It's a matter of obedience. Am I going to obey God or not obey God? The problem comes when there's not a verse. Thinking, well, there's a verse for everything. (laughs) I wish there was. I wish there was. And and that would answer so many questions. Maybe someday Brother Brown will write another book of the Bible, and then he'll answer all the questions. And then there will be a verse. Amen? No? (laughs) I was hoping you wouldn't think that was a good idea. Amen? No, there are are a lot of things where there's no verse. There really are. There are a whole lot of things. So what do you do when there's no verse? Well, there are several options. A lot of of good, well-meaning, sincere folks say, well, my church teaches this. So this is what I do. That's nice as long as everything that your church teaches lines up with the Bible and they've thought of everything. But I would guarantee you there's some things they haven't thought of. Things that, listen, there's stuff coming up all the time, new stuff. I remember when I was a kid, you know, they they would preach against different things that aren't even relevant today. Stuff that doesn't even exist. Things have changed. Nobody preached against Facebook. There was no such thing. Nobody even considered such a thing that you'd be able to get online and and talk to people and share pictures. And uh, nobody ever conceived of such a thing when I was a kid. It wasn't a a deal at all. Our phones were plugged into the wall. All they did is make phone calls. That's all they did. They didn't take pictures. They didn't have maps on them. Nothing. All they did, make phone calls. And, and life was pretty good. <laughs> but things change. 
And especially nowadays, they change very, very quickly. They change very quickly. So, so what are you supposed to do when there's not a verse and when nobody's already given you a list of what to do and what not to do? Well, what are you supposed to do then? Well, I will just ask the pastor whatever he says. That's what I'll do. Okay. But he may not even know the thing you're asking about, if it's good or bad, or he may not even have known it existed until you asked him. Sometimes, sometimes people come up to me and say, what do you think about this or that? And I honestly have to say, I didn't even know there was that. I, I don't know. I missed it somehow. I just missed it. Listen, that's a, that's a faulty way to come up with the right answer. Well, you know, that's just, that's just what we've always believed and that's what my church teaches. And Okay, those, those are fine if you've only been saved for a week. But if you've been saved longer than that, you need more than that. So how do you come up with the answer? I'm going to tell you how. Bible principle is the answer. The answer has to come from the Bible because that's God's revelation to us. And it says that Christ will give us light. And if God's going to reveal things to us, he does so through his word. And so the answer has to be in there. And if the answer is not a specific verse, then it has to be covered in another way. And I submit to you that way is Bible principle. Too many folks live their lives under the premise that if God didn't say I can't do it, it must be all right. A lot of the states we're going through now uh, have legalized marijuana. And, and you see the signs, you know, at the exit. You're pulling off the exit, and there's the gas station, and there's the, you know, the convenience store, and there's the pot shop, all at the exit. You say, well, well, if it's legal, uh, just because something's legal doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's Okay. Well, it, it's legal to do. It must be all right. No, dangerous. Very dangerous way to live. You need a better way to find the answer than that. Better way. So you go to the Word of God and you find principles that apply to your specific situation. And now here's where Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1 comes in. Then you must agree to submit yourself to what God says. Did you get that part? You say, okay, Lord, here's this Bible principle I've just found, and here's this thing I was going to do. So I'm going to run this thing through this Bible principle, and if it doesn't fit, then I'm going to, I'm about to give you something shocking if you're, if you're ready. I'm about to voluntarily put it out of my life. Did you get that part? Too many folks wait to make changes until the pastor preaches on it or until somebody sees them doing it and says, you shouldn't do that. Listen, that ought not be our motivation. Our motivation ought to be, I want to be a follower of God. And here's what the Bible says. And so to have a clear conscience before God, I believe I need to just put that out of my life. And you might do that long before the pastor ever preaches on it. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And then when he does, you can shout amen instead of slinking out the back door. Amen? That'd be a good thing. You see, Bible principle will answer all the questions that you might have. 
And with that in mind tonight, I want to give you just a couple of those. And, and I'm going to give you some every night. And it's by no means an exhaustive list. <coughs> but by the time we're done, you most certainly will have enough that will answer virtually any question you could possibly have. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 31 is where I want you to go in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 31. I, uh, I don't have what most folks would call a life verse, I think. Uh, you, now, that's a, that's a preacher's secret. You're supposed to have one. You're just supposed, to, just supposed to have one, and then, you know, when somebody asks you, you tell them your life verse, and when you sign your name, you put your life verse in there, and, and, and I just, my problem is that I change my mind, and what was my life verse last week might not be the same one this week. I need a different one this week, and, and you just can't do that. You have to pick one and go with it, and so I've chosen 1 Corinthians 10.31. Because it seems to cover all the bases for me. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Would you agree with me that that covers just about everything in your life? It does. It covers everything. And not only is it a wonderful verse, it's a Bible principle. You see, if I have something in my life that I'm not sure, and, and I mean anything, I'm talking about from how you cut your hair to what clothes you wear to where you work to what you do, how you spend your free time, what you watch on television. I mean, any question you might have, if it doesn't pass the test of the first principle, then I should voluntarily put it out of my life. Does it bring glory to God or does it not? Here, here's another way to ask it. Does it even have the potential to glorify God. If there's just no way this could glorify God at all, then it's kind of an easy answer, isn't it? Then I should voluntarily remove it from my life. I like music. I've, I've always enjoyed it ever since I was just, just young. <clears throat> always played music, always sung music, and we had a piano and an organ, both in the living room of, the, of our house. I grew up in, and uh, well, to this day, there's still a piano and an organ in the living room at mom's house. And we would, we would get the, the books. Some of you who are old, you'll remember the favorite series books from Singspiration, and the, you know, they had music on the cover, and there was number one and two, three, four, five. I don't know how many dozens ever came out, but uh, a new one would show up, and we would buy it, and we would play and sing through the whole thing. That was our goal, play and sing every song in the book till we found the ones we wanted to sing in church and the ones that we liked and, and all the rest. And so I grew up doing that. I've always had somewhat of an ability to remember words and, and tunes. <clears throat> I find that that ability may be leaving me at some point. Uh, I've also found that every time <laughs> now when I learn new songs, old ones disappear out of my brain. And I never know which ones have disappeared till I try to sing them. And then all of a sudden, whoop, they're just gone. Uh, but that, I'm sure that has nothing to do with old age or anything like that. But I've, I've always been able to memorize songs and music pretty easily. 
And just up the street from us, my aunt and uncle lived up there, and they had a music store. Now, I'm going to tell you about stuff that some of you don't know about. They sold stuff in this little store. They sold musical instruments. They sold uh, pieces of paper with notes printed on them. We called it sheet music back in the day. And any song you wanted would come out in sheet music. And you could just go look through all the sheet music, find the songs you want. There it was. I don't know why that's not a good idea anymore, but you can't find that anymore. They also sold things that they don't have anymore. They sold records. Now, records were, were about this big around. And they had a little hole in the middle. And they'd have 10 or 12 songs on them. They were flat and black. And they had little lines in them. And you'd put them on the record player and they would spin. And you'd put the needle on there and they would make music. And there were some on each side. You'd have to flip it over. And then they had little ones about that big around with a big hole in the middle. I don't know why the big ones had a little hole and the little ones had a big hole, but that's how they did it. And those were called 45s, and, and we're going into way too much detail, I understand. But, but those had one song on each side. And so every time the new lists of the top 10 songs came out, my aunt and uncle who were lost, they would get in the new, the new 45s with all the singles. And from all the different charts, you know, the, the country charts and the rock charts and the adult contemporary charts and the, I mean every chart that they had. And, and they'd get all these and they'd get them in every time the, the new charts came out and then sell them. And she always ordered double of everything because she knew as soon as they came in, <coughs> I'd be over there to buy one of each. And I did. I'd buy one of each. I had stacks, big old stacks. I had stacks of the little ones. I had stacks of the big ones. I had stacks and stacks of them. And, and I would listen to the songs and I would learn the songs. Isn't that something? Now, here's the shocking part. We're talking now after I was already saved. This is what I was doing. <laughs> but don't let that shock you because I went to a Christian school and we would carpool with the pastor and his family. And every morning we would go to his house and get in the church van and he would turn on the local rock station. And that's what we'd listen to all the way to the Christian school and back home. So you see, it was just honestly, it was a matter of ignorance. It really was. That's just what everybody listened to. And. I didn't feel guilty about it. I mean, when your pastor's listening to it, you don't feel guilty about it. And, and that's just what everybody listened to. And, and that's what we did. And I learned all those songs. Somewhere along the line, it was about the 10th grade, I think. Something happened, and I don't know what it was. To this day, I don't remember the specific incident. I don't know if it was somebody preaching in chapel. I don't know if it was something that happened at church. I have no idea. But what I do remember is that the Spirit of God got a hold of my heart and said, you ought not be listening to that. And really, it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a matter of, are you sure, God? I mean, we're talking about... <laughs> I could name stuff for you, but some of you would know what it was, and then I'm not going to do that. It was obviously not pleasing to God. Now that, was, uh, that wasn't even really a question. It was not pleasing to God. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'll get rid of that. 
And so my job every night when I got home from school was to, to take out, we had two trash receptacles in the house. One was for cans and bottles, the other one was paper. My job was to take them out, empty them, and burn the paper trash. It's back in the good old days when you could burn trash in the yard. And, and I was a little bit of a pyromaniac anyway, so it was a perfect job for me. And I like to burn stuff in there. And, and, and you know, I have fun with it. Every once in a while, you get an old hairspray can. Oh, wow. That's fun. That is fun. It's not nearly so dangerous as they say, but don't try it. Don't try it. You don't want to lose any fingers, and I don't want to be responsible for it. I mean, the trick is to throw it in and run. That's the trick. That's what you do. So every night, I'd take a stack of those records out with me. And I'd get the fire going nice and hot, and I'd throw in a stack of those records until they burned up and they melted. I didn't do them all at once because I knew that would leave a massive lump of plastic in the bottom of the barrel, and Dad would find that, and I thought he would be mad if he knew that I burned all those records that I spent all that money on. So I didn't say anything to him. I just, I just burned them. I never told my mother. I never told the preacher. I never told anybody at the Christian school. I never told a soul. I just took them out every night and burned a stack of them until they were all gone. Now, I, I didn't tell you that to impress you with how special I am. I did it wrong. That's not how you're supposed to do it. No, you're not supposed to do it that way. You should let somebody know that God's done something in your heart, what's going on. And I just, I never thought of it. To be perfectly honest, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, God just just showed me that it wasn't pleasing to him, and I figured if it wasn't pleasing to him, I should quit listening to it. Doesn't that make sense? That's what we should be doing all the time. All the time. Oh, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry I've allowed that to come into my life. I, I see that's not, really, that's not really pleasing. It's not really glorifying you. Uh, I'm just going to put that out. You'd be surprised what that would do in your life. But the preacher didn't say I had to. That really is not the issue. But nobody preached on. No, who cares? I mean, if you're just waiting for somebody to preach on it, give me a list. And that's what we'll cover the rest of the week. You see, if, if what I'm going to do or how I'm going to conduct myself is not going to glorify God, then I should be willing, because I want to be a follower of God, I should be willing to put that out of my life. It all goes back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1. If my goal is to see how much I can get away with and still sing in the choir, I'm smiling at you because you can't get mad at me, I smile at you. If my goal is to see how far, how close to the line I can get and still teach my Sunday school class, then my motives are all messed up anyway. And I'm a fake. Did you get that? If that's my reason for what I do, then really I'm a, I'm a phony. My reason ought to be I want to be a follower of God. Now the Spirit of God has spoken to my heart and so I'm going to act on that because my goal is not to see how much like the dark I can be 
Listen, I was, I was talking to my kids, I guess it was last week. And my wife, we were in Arizona, and my wife had, had flown to a, a funeral in Oregon and in between our meetings. And, and as a young man, it's a, just a very sad story. He was tragically killed. And, and the problem was that he had been away from the Lord for a long, long time. And, and his parents had kind of given the impression that maybe he was coming back. But in reality, he wasn't coming back. They dropped out of church and started moving to where he was. And, and I said to my children, with all honesty, I think maybe I shocked my wife at the moment. But then she understood what I was saying. I said to them, if you decide one day to leave what you know is right and go out and be in the world, uh, you're still our children. We still love you. But please don't expect that we'll come after you. We're not going there. We'll be here when you're ready to come back. And you'll always be welcome and we love you. But I'm not going into the world so that we can have a relationship. Not doing that. I've watched that life. I've been up real, real, real close to that life. I don't want that. I could have that life tomorrow. I don't want that life. I don't need that. I was darkness. I'm not darkness. I'm not going to try to be darkness. I'm going to walk as a child of God in the light. Amen. My desire is to be a follower of God. My desire is not to be as much like the world as possible and still be able to call myself a Christian. My desire is that people might accidentally think I am a Christian without me having to explain I am with all of my worldly stuff. I'd rather have them get that impression right off the bat. I want to be a follower of God. And if I'm a follower of God, and the word of God gives me a principle, I'm going to apply that to my life and allow him to make the changes that need to be made. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here tonight. Lord, I pray.